Well, I'm with Doug. This time of year is great. It's a little hard sometimes to make that shift from summer to fall, right? Uh, but I'm working on it. I think it's get, we're getting there. There are a lot of great things about fall. There's like pumpkin spice everything. <laughs> Football. Fall clothes. Love me some fall clothes. I also love, have you noticed uh, what happens in town when college students come back? The energy level in the town just like picks up. I love that. And then there's back to school and back to school supplies. Nothing better than like a fresh basket of back to school supplies. Uh, Thinking about back to school though, reminds me of a sleepover I had in seventh grade. It was a brand new friend. And we were standing in the dark peering out her basement window, watching a lot of other seventh graders getting dropped off at a party across the street. It was an A-list party, the beautiful people. I'm pretty sure there was a red carpet. We could hear the thumping beat of an 80s love ballad being just blasted from a stereo in the garage. And I wanted to belong. I wanted to be where the party was. Have you ever experienced that? I know you have. Do you remember what it feels like to be on the outside looking in, wishing you belonged? Maybe it was just hoping that you would get picked at a reasonable time for the kickball team. Or maybe it's when you like really tentatively post a picture on Instagram, just hoping you'll get enough likes to validate your existence. Now, a lot of us just have a huge case of FOMO, fear of missing out and we need to get over it, but all of us have felt the sting of isolation before in our life, the loneliness that comes with it, the wishing so desperately that we could, be, that we could belong. So it makes me wonder, who's in the room this morning? Who's in the room this morning feeling this way? Maybe you are just longing for a partner to share life with. And I know that some of you feel this loneliness or isolation like right in the middle of your family because of extreme sibling rivalry or parent-teen conflict. And some of you feel it in the middle of your marriage because of things that have just limped along year after year and you feel this distance and this isolation. We all carry within us this deep desire to belong and it was placed there by God. It's how he designed us. But belonging in community is also risky It's hard to find and it requires uh, us to be vulnerable. It also requires an incredible amount of time and energy investment on our part. And then top it off with this. There are no perfect people to belong in community with. We're all broken. It's true. If you're connecting with people, you're going to bump up against some brokenness, both your own and the brokenness of others. We need to be reminded of this again and again. Even though we're really smart people, we just tend to forget that we are going to be in relationships with other broken people. Have you ever had a moment like this? You leave a meeting or a conversation and you think to yourself, am I the only normal, non-dysfunctional person left on the planet? And then you remember, oh yeah, we're all broken. So that person I was just talking with, is thinking exactly the same thing about me. Belonging in community can be difficult. Introverts, the minute you heard the word community, you were looking for the exit. 
Maybe when you think about community, all you can think about is like endless small talk. It never ends. And what about those of you who are drowning in your busy schedule, staying healthy, kids' sports, grocery shopping, caring for aging parents, feeding babies, trying to get babies to sleep through the night, finishing your masters, traveling all over the place to see grandkids, and whatever else just makes up your everyday life, seeking community can sometimes feel like a burden. So Dave was here last week, and he encouraged each one of us to figure this out, but to figure it out in a way that fits our life and our personality. That's a beautiful invitation because there is no one-size-fits-all box that you have to squeeze into here. Wherever you find yourself this morning, however, remember this. We were created to belong in community with God and others. Even in our busy, noisy world where community is elusive, taking the risk to belong in deeper and more meaningful ways is important. And it's important because of this. God loves to use people to grow people. He loves to use people to grow people. And that can only happen when we're in community. That's why we're kicking off the fall with a four-week series, The Risk to Belong. Now, listen to how much this is wrapped up in the mission of Orchard Hill Church. Our mission is to help next generations encounter and follow Jesus to bless a broken world. One of the four strategies that we have to meet this mission is belong in community, and we define it like this. It's where we commit to share life and faith with others who are following Jesus to bless a broken world. It's one of our four strategies, belong in community. And this Christian community provides the environment then where God can use us to grow each other. What makes a community Christian is the presence of Jesus, not the presence of Christians. Listen to what Jesus says about this in Matthew 18, 20. He says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. It's like Jesus is reminding us, we get to be with Jesus with people. Jesus presence is what makes Christian community different than any other community we experience. So I loved what Dave taught last week. He said, there are some indicators you would expect to find in a community guided by Jesus. These are things you would expect to find. You will find people who know, love, serve, and celebrate each other. If you miss Dave's teaching, you can go online and you can watch or listen. So people matter to Jesus. You matter to Jesus. So this series is about you. Dave was here last week and it was actually all about you. So this morning, we are going to look at the risk to belong. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about you. It's not about you. Both things are true at the same time. And it takes a mature faith to hold two truths at the same time. Remember what Alice taught when she was here about the community of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are completely other-centered. They're always pointing at the other. They're always pointing at the other. Their community is never about them. God's purpose for community is unity with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and with the people that he created in his image. That's you and me and everyone who's ever been born. So the Bible 
begins with perfect unity between God and man. But it doesn't take long for people to begin to think that it's all about them, it's all about me. And then the rest of the Bible is about God drawing back together, restoring his community, which is both about you and not about you. So Philippians 2 is a really good place to look at these two truths in action. Now this is written by Paul, and he is writing to a bunch of his friends in the city of Philippi, and these people are having a little trouble getting along. So Paul knows, if you pay attention to the first half of this verse, and then you look at the second half of the verse, Paul knows that if his friends get the first half, only then will they be able to do the second half. So let's read this and see what's going on. This is Paul writing to his friends, having a little trouble getting along. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. Here comes the shift. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Paul's just reminding us about the community of the Trinity, always pointing to the other. Did you catch this? We sang, all the songs we sang this morning were this, if you have any, uh, any joy from being united with Christ, those were all the songs we sing. Uh, Jesus laid down his life so we could be set free, free to do the second part, this rather in humility, Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I love that. Paul's encouraging his friends to remember what happened in their lives when they were united with Christ. And he wants them to learn from that experience so that they can make the shift to it's not about me, to be able to make some risks to belong in new ways in community. So we're gonna look at two of these ways that Paul encourages his friends. The first one is in humility, Value others above yourself. Value others above yourself. So what does this look like for us today if we're taking risks to belong in community? Well, I think it means uh, when, when it's all about me, I come to community asking these kinds of questions. What's in it for me? What can I get out of this? Is this gonna be worth my time? Can this group or these people fix my problem? But when I make the shift, to valuing others above myself, my questions become more like this. What can I bring to this community? I can bring my presence, my love, my time, my attention. I ask, how can I serve? What does love require in this situation or this community? And this is my favorite one. It's one of the harder ones to do, but what can I learn from you? from your story, from your pain, from your experience walking with Jesus. Have you ever been around a person like this, a person who's made the shift? It's no longer about them, but it's about other people. They ask great questions and they're actually interested in your answers. They listen in a way that shows that they care about you and they want to understand you better. They don't seem hurried or distracted. 
They're not looking over their shoulder while they're talking to you, seeing if there's somebody else they'd rather talk to. My husband and I were talking about this kind of person because I wanted to give an example of this and we both came up with the same person at the same time and it's Chuck Shirey. He's in our small group and there's a really interesting thing about Chuck. He asks great questions and then he remembers what you said the next time you see him and he asks you about it. And then there's something in the way that he smiles at you or he looks at you that communicates he actually cares about you. It's not that he's just a great listener, but he actually cares about you. And I've seen him do this with his children as well. You know when you've been with Chuck Shirey for a little while that there's something different about him. He's freed up. It's not all about him. Another place where I see this happen is get to know. And these are three-week groups. They're going to begin in the October 12th. There's three weeks, super easy way to get involved. But this uh, valuing others above yourself happens in this group all the time and it's really exciting. Because a cool thing happens in people when they are free to value others above themselves. They're able to like not worry so much about themselves and they're able to pay attention to somebody that's sitting across from them. So there was a person kind of leading a table discussion at Get to Know, his name's Mike. And there was another guy at the table with his wife. This guy's probably like 23 years old. And it's not like he doesn't want to be there, but he's he's throwing off the vibe that's like, don't ask me to like say a lot. So they're going through this piece of scripture. That's one of the goals in Get to Know, to just look at a really short piece of scripture and then um, get to know a few people so you can put some names with faces. And they were doing that. And this kid comes out with this incredibly relevant and insightful statement about the scripture that we're reading. And Mike, because he's not all wound up in himself, hears this kid and brings it to the rest of the group. And we have this really fantastic conversation. And both Mike and this kid are kind of shocked that this happened at a get to know group because they really weren't expecting it. But I believe it was because Mike was free enough to value this person sitting at his table above himself. So in humility, value others above yourself and amazing things will happen. Can you imagine what Jesus would do with a church full of this kind of person? What would happen here? What would happen in your family or in your workplace? It could be really exciting and you would want to be a part of it. And I think it can happen. Okay, I want to give you one more practical way to value others above yourself. And this is just learning to listen well. Chuck Shirey's probably not going to do a whole bunch of like workshops on it, but you can do this. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, was a German pastor during World War II. And uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was imprisoned by Nazi Germany for a really long time, but because of the person that he was, he actually was able to disciple a whole group of pastors while he was imprisoned by Nazi Germany. And he actually won over his guards to a degree that he could send out letters to the people he was discipling. Listen to what Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a prisoner of Nazi Germany, says about listening. Many people are looking for an ear that will listen. They do not find it among Christians because these Christians are talking when they should be listening. This is the beginning of the death of the spiritual life. Do you hear it? When we listen well, because we care about people, we humble ourselves. Listening is a posture of humility. You are positioned to value others above yourself. 
So I want to give you a few ways that you can begin to think about it's not about me while I'm talking to people. When you actually care about someone and you want to listen with the goal of understanding them better, these are a few things that you can tell yourself. The first one is this, I don't have to tell my story. And I'm not just talking about like your big life story, but you know how somebody has a story about falling through the ice and then immediately like you have a story about falling through the ice? You don't have to tell that story. You can just really listen to their falling through the ice story. This one's really hard for me because I grew up in a family of storytellers. Have you ever been around people that just they're like swapping stories back and forth? But I don't have to tell my story. I can listen to yours. I don't have to make sure you understand my perspective. I can try to understand yours. This is one, boy, for parents, this is one that's been really difficult for me. I can learn to deal with my own discomfort and defensiveness as I listen to your pain, sorrow, or anger. For parents, this is huge, right? We listen, we listen long enough to hear what we think is wrong, and then we know what's right, and then we give our kids advice. Or what about um, in the political realm? When you're talking to someone who has such a radically different perspective from you, and then they're beginning to share their pain around that, how do you deal with your defensiveness and your pushback? Would you be able to let that slide? and just really try to listen and understand where that pain is coming from for them? And then finally, listening and trying to understand doesn't mean you have to agree with someone. It just means you care enough to listen. So those are a few things to remember when you're trying uh, to follow Paul's advice and you're uh, freed up because of what your unity with Christ to listen and care for others. And I just encourage you to try this, especially if you struggle to make connections or you have a hard time getting to know people. And I bet if you become a good listener, after a little while, you will have people who will listen to you. That's the cool thing about the way the kingdom of Jesus works. So I dare you to try this and I'd love to hear uh, the results of your experiment. So the first shift that we need to make when it's not about us is to value others above ourselves. The second shift is this. Take your eyes off your own interests and focus upon the interests of others. So there are all kinds of our own self-interests, but I think one of the big ones that gets in the way for us is what do other people think of me? I, if you're like me, and I have a feeling you are, a ch big chunk of my time can be spent on thinking and worrying about what other people think about me. And I think this self-interest is a really sneaky one and it can be hard to, to find and to notice in ourselves. Uh, but I had a conversation a couple weeks ago with my friend Esther that I think illustrates this really well. So Esther just graduated from you and I and she is back in Cedar Falls after completing a summer internship at YWAM in San Francisco. Now, YWAM is short for Youth with a Mission. And YWAM's mission in the city of San Francisco is to engage the city with a loving God. So Esther was back, I ran into her, and I said, Esther, what did you learn about yourself and about God over your internship? And she said, I learned to tell people what I'm good at. So I was kind of surprised and I was paying attention. She went on to say that when she arrived in San Francisco to start her internship, people started asking her what her skills were, what she did really well, what she was good at, and she didn't know how 
to answer. She didn't know how to answer their question. She thought that if she answered their question directly, I'm artistic, I love to draw, I know how to do graphic design, that that would be arrogant, prideful, and boasting. But Esther learned over the course of her internship that it was in YWAM's best interest to know what she was good at. Because if they knew what her skills were and she was able to use them, she would be able to join in their mission to help the people of San Francisco engage with a loving God. So let's look back at Philippians 2. In humility, learn to value others above yourself. Don't look at your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. What was Esther's interest? What will people think of me? Will they think I'm arrogant and prideful? And what was the interest of YWAM? YWAM is just thinking, we need to know what you're good at so you can help us. And when she made the shift to take her eyes off her own interest and really focus on the interest of YWAM, she was able to use her gifts and talents as an artist and a graphic designer. And the cool thing is she was able to actually belong in a deeper way in that organization she was serving. So that's a really sneaky interest. What, would, uh, what can others think of us? Um, listen to what Esther had to do. Esther had to humble her need to look humble so she could focus on the needs of others. There's two truths at the same time. It's about you and it's not about you. Two more quick points and then a two-minute video that I think will illustrate the points. One of our interests is what others will think of us. The second interest is my time and attention. Our focus is on our time and our energy and our attention all the time. It takes time to belong. And this is really hard for us because belonging is going to cost you some time. There's just no way around it. You can't do the kinds of things that are required to build great relationships in a hurry. You can't listen in a hurry. You can't mourn with those who mourn in a hurry. And you can't celebrate or rejoice with those who rejoice in a hurry. And you can come up with a hundred reasons. I know you can right now why now isn't the right time to invest more time and energy in relationships. And you know what? In the short run, it is absolutely easier not to. It's just easier to keep doing what you're doing. But in the long run, and Dave talked about this last week, all the studies about connected people and unconnected people, in the long run, you will never regret investing time and energy in relationships, in community with other people. So are you willing to risk some of your precious time to invest in relationships? And we'll help you. We'll help you. We'll make it as easy as possible for you to do that. So self-interest. What do people think of me? It's hard for me to give up my time and my energy. Third one, we have this incredible fear of getting hurt. We have this incredible fear of getting hurt. Are you willing to take your eyes off your own interests, your fear of getting hurt? Because the truth is, we're all a little bit like kindergartners. We all just want to know, do you like me? And do you want to be my friend? Megan and Adam Meyer belong here, and they realized that they needed to connect with some more people here at Orchard Hill. So Megan came up to me and she said, Carla, can you find a small group for us? And I had to say no. And the reason is, I have, there are some people who want to be in a group, but there aren't very many people who are willing to lead a group. And that's what I need. So I told Megan about how we're all a little bit like kindergartners, and she got it. 
She got it. She understood it. Maybe it's because she's a teacher, but she understood that we're all a little bit like kindergartners at heart, wondering, do you like me and do you want to be my friend? And she took Dave's advice. If you were here last week, Dave said, remember, the only thing that matters is that people know you like them. It doesn't matter if they like you. And she found the courage to call a bunch of strangers and invite them to join a small group. And she got a few rejections. And it would have been easier for her not to do anything, to wait for someone to call her, but she took the risk and she made some calls. And here's a video about how things turned out. We had to do that whole, um, do you want to be my friend? Kind of question. And that's hard because you really have to just put aside any kind of facade that you had. The thing that surprised us was how hard it would be in the beginning. And then, and as we again made it our own and tried to create one, it, it became easier. It, it surprised us that it did work out, I guess, the way it did. So. I knew a lot of people, but didn't feel connected in the way that I had felt or that I knew that I could feel. Um, and so the thing like Adam has said, um, I love that we have these amazing connections now with people and it's not people that we knew or expected to be together with and we're having a blast getting to know each other. Two or three of the guys in the group, we've helped each other out in certain situations. We've started to build those bonding things that we trust each other. That um, that is more than the actual small group now. It's 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 a friend that you can call if you need help, if you have something going on. Um, I think that's happened on more of the gal side too. That there's getting that familiarity with each other. One of the things that people might not know about me is I have this constant fear that I'm not worth anyone spending their time to get to know. God made us to be in community, um, and so he will put people in our path that we can do that with. Um, might take a little bit more time or um, devotion on your part, but as hard as it is to like get out that first time, like, will you be my friend? It's, it's so worth it. You could hear it all in their story. It's gonna take some time and devotion. It's gonna be scary because you don't know if people are going to reject you. And uh, you're gonna to have to take your eyes off your own interests, which is just all balled up in that. What did people think about me? So it might take a little more time or devotion on your part, but once you get those first words out, will you be my friend? It's so worth it. So could you do this? We could help you. There are a couple of opportunities for you to begin to value others above yourself uh, right now. They're um, on this little card. They're out at the Welcome Center. You could go to a group maybe because you want to meet some people. You need some people in your life. Or maybe you've been around here a long time and you have more people than you even know how to uh, make enough time for and you just want to come to get to know. And uh, get a few faces and names put together and value somebody at the table. And the cool thing that will happen, I guarantee, is that people will amaze you. So consider signing up for Get to Know, maybe taking a risk here. And like Dave said last week, maybe this needs to start in your own family. What does it look like this morning to just begin to value others above yourself? 
So let's pray and the band will come up and we'll continue to worship. God, you are so good and you're so smart. God, you know us completely. You know us so much better than we know ourselves. And yet you continue to offer your compassion and your grace and your forgiveness to us over and over again so that we can move more into community with you and with other people. Thanks for being patient with us. Thanks for being available to us so we don't have to figure it out by ourselves. Thanks for giving us the Bible where uh, when we read and we look at the people uh, in those pages, we find that they're exactly the same as us. They live in a different time and in a different place, but uh, their preoccupation with themselves is the same. God, thank you for uh, just being true and that your truth stretches over centuries. Help, help us to remember that you're the center of all life, that you give us our very breath and that you give us the freedom to not care quite so much about ourselves so that we can see the amazing people you've made that are right next to us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.